faith. What is it? Being sure of our hope. Convinced of what we can't see. By faith, we understand the world was set in order at God's command. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain. And for his faith, God commended him as righteous. By faith, Noah trusted God and constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. By faith, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, believing God would still fulfill his promises. By faith, Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy sin's fleeting pleasure. By faith, God's chosen nation crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and praised him as it swallowed up the Egyptians. By faith, Rahab the prostitute escaped destruction because she welcomed the spies in peace. Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, David, and the prophets. By faith, they administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. But others were imprisoned, murdered, and wandered in deserts, mountains, and openings in the earth. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So get rid of every weight, of every sin, and run. Run with endurance the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the champion and guide of our faith. For promised joy, he endured the cross, thought nothing of its shame, and having risen again, has been handed his deserved glory at the right hand of the throne of God. You'll know how to find it, I think, I hope. Our church has been a church in transition for almost 116 years. Transition means change. And in addition to having more than 20 pastors in the last 116 years, our church has changed locations three times and changed its name five times. In 1907, the church began on East Miles Street in Los Angeles, First Brethren Church of Los Angeles. Three years later, in 1910, the church relocated to the corner of 60th and Compton, again in Los Angeles, and the name was changed to the Compton Brethren Church. In 1953, the church moved to this corner and became Norwalk Brethren Church. In 1980, a lot of changes had taken place in almost 30 years, buildings and expansion. And again, the church changed its name, Grace Brethren Church of Norwalk. And so God has been leading our church through transition since 1907, almost 116 years. And He's going to continue to do that as we go forward. 
I'm really excited about the work that our vision team has accomplished in the last five or six months. And under Pastor Oscar's leadership, they have developed uh, the beginnings of a plan and a dream and a strategy for the future. And uh, I know that Pastor Oscar is looking forward much to being able to open some of that up and begin sharing some of that with you in the, in the weeks and, and months ahead. God has been leading us through times of transition corporately. And He does that for each one of us personally, doesn't He? And so God is going to continue to lead us and to guide us into the future. Transition and change. God wants us to confidently follow His leading into an uncertain and undetermined, yet undetermined future. That's God's will. In fact, you've heard me say this before, God wants to lead us more than we want to follow. God wants to direct your life and my life more than we want to follow Him. And so this morning, I want you to come with me to one of my favorite verses in the Scriptures, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And these two verses have been favorites of mine for most of my life since my youth. Trusting that these words and and these verses have, have power and meaning for you and for me. And so I want you to come with me this morning to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And we're going to camp here this morning as we think about transition and change and what I want to call this morning, faith for the future. And so Solomon writes these words of wisdom to his boys, training his sons, teaching his sons, hoping to raise them in the fear of the Lord, which is a major theme through the book of Proverbs. And so we read these verses in verses 5 and 6 of Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And now that it's up on the screen, read it with me. Let's read it out loud together. Can you do that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. God wants to do that in your life and my life. And I want you to notice as you look at these four lines of text, that the fourth line is a promise. What's the promise? He'll direct your paths. He'll make your path straight. I think the King James says He'll direct your paths. And that I first memorized it in the King James, so you'll probably hear me going back and forth. So it ends with a promise. He will make your paths straight. We need to talk about that. But the three lines that precede the promise are prerequisites. How can you be confident that God is directing and leading your life? How can you have confidence that that God is in charge, He's in control, and He's directing and leading you? And I would submit to you this morning that it's these three prerequisites that become very important in your life and my life. God's promise of direction is very, very clear in this passage. He wants to do that. I want you to notice two things about God's promise the first one is, who is it that's making the promise? God. Who is He? Well, the Lord, 
Yahweh. Sometimes we use the name Jehovah. I'm trying to transition to Yahweh. The Lord is the one making this promise. And that name, Yahweh, is His covenant name, His promise-keeping name. This is the Creator God who created the heavens and the earth with His great power and His outstretched arm. There's nothing too difficult for Him. This is the God who keeps promises. And His promise to you and to me is that He will direct our paths. And so what exactly is the promise to direct your path? The idea is a straight, flat, level, pleasant, and even prosperous path. In your journey through life, God's promise is, I will direct. I will lead. I will give you a pleasant, prosperous journey. God promises to do that. One of the things I love about this passage in the original language, that pronoun, He is what's called an intensive pronoun. We could translate it, He Himself will direct your path. God is not sending a messenger to come alongside and help us. He's not commissioning an angel to lead us into the future. God says He Himself will lead us and direct us. That's His promise to you and to me. Personally as well as corporately. He is going to direct our paths. In this current generation, we all have GPS on our phones. We don't need a lot of help with directions, do we? We go to Google Maps, Apple Maps. How many of you use Waze? You follow Waze. We have the GPS to help us to where to go. But I still remember in earlier years, sometimes having to stop and ask for directions to find my way somewhere. I know guys aren't supposed to do that, but I've been guilty once or twice in my lifetime. And if you've had the same experience I did in those days, you'd have someone give you this long extended description of go down here about six blocks to the fire station and turn right and go. What I always wanted was somebody, wouldn't it be helpful if you had someone who would get in the car and go with you? That'd that'd be so helpful. And I still remember when I was planning my bike ride across the country back in 2017, I was studying maps, I was reading, I was reading blogs about people who had ridden across country, and one of the repeated themes that I found several times was that people wrote in their blog how difficult it was to get through Williamsburg, Virginia, that they got lost, and some people would talk about circling through Williamsburg two or three times before finally getting out the other side, and and I began becoming kind of anxious about that part of my journey because it was the first day starting on the beach in Yorktown and then through Williamsburg and on. And in the providence of God, you know, it just happened that in January of 2018, as I was getting ready to, to, to ride this bike ride, I had the opportunity to have Colonel Mark Pinfold in my car with me for a couple of hours as we were driving out to Edwards Air Force Base. And I discovered as I got to know Mark that he was a cyclist. He rode his bike also. And we started comparing notes about bicycles and bike trips and so on. And So I told him about my plan to ride across country. And one of my challenges was trying to figure out how to get through Williamsburg and shared with him a little bit of the story. And, and he said, well, I can help you with that. And I was a little 
suspicious of that. How could this guy help me get through Williamsburg? And then he said these words, I live in Williamsburg. And so Mark not only told me how to get through Williamsburg that first day of my bike ride, he took me to the beach in Yorktown and rode with me through Williamsburg and out the other side and on my trip. It makes a difference when you have somebody with you who not only knows the way, but they're willing to make the trip. And that's what God's promise is to you and to me as we go into an uncertain future. He Himself will direct our path. He Himself will make our path straight, pleasant, prosperous. But then there's those three prerequisites that the Scripture suggests. And what's the first one? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You see, God's promise of direction depends on our practice of trusting Him. And so as you look at this phrase, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, there's three ideas captured in these words that I want you to understand this morning. The first is it's important to define the word trust. And the Hebrew language helps us to do that because it's a a language that paints pictures. And so this word trust could easily be translated with our word to cling. To grab a hold of something and hang on. This is the word that would be used to describe if you were out in your sailboat in the Pacific Ocean and the boat capsized. What would your relationship be with the bottom of the hull of that boat? You'd be hanging on. And so, King Solomon says to us, we need to cling. We need to grab a hold and hang on to the Lord. Not only the definition of to trust, but the direction of our trust is important. You know, so often we trust all the wrong things in the course of life. Have you noticed this in your life? And maybe in the lives of others? We put our trust and our faith and our confidence in so many things that fail us and let us down. That song we just sang reminded us that the Lord never lets us down. He never fails, right? But I think how often it's true in the course of life that people trust in themselves. They trust in others, family and friends. Uh, Some people even trust in the government, which kind of puzzles me, but that's another story. People trust their their money, their finances, their bank accounts, their 401k, their IRA. And in the last six months, we've discovered kind of the foolishness of putting our faith and trust there, right? People put their trust in so many things. And Solomon says, if you want to grab onto God's promise of leading and direction into an uncertain future, what you need to grab a hold of, what you need to hang on to is the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord. Hang on to Him. People put their trust in all the wrong things. And then not only the the direction of our trust, but the degree of our trust. How much are we to trust the Lord? What's it say? With all your heart. The entirety of your inner being. Intellect, your emotions, your will, the choices you make. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And so there's a principle here, I think, that direction depends on trusting. And the challenge in your life and my life is 
We're not always willing to do that. We're willing to trust the Lord sometimes, in some circumstances, in some events, under some conditions. But are we willing to trust the Lord totally, completely, with all of our heart, all that we are? Direction follows trusting. And so often, as I said, we put our, our faith and our trust in all the wrong things. I think I've shared the story before of my friend Jerry Gillespie. When I was growing up, I was in junior high. He was older. Lived down the street from me and was a young single guy in college and had his first job. And News came into the neighborhood this one afternoon that Jerry and Zelda, his black Volkswagen, that Jerry and Zelda had been in a major car accident at the corner of Lakewood and Stearns, about four blocks from where I grew up in Long Beach. And I went down the street to check on Jerry to find out how he was doing, and he answered the door and told me the story, that he and Zelda were going through the intersection, and they got broadsided by a big car that came through. And Jerry reached out to grab a hold of the steering wheel and missed. And he wound up on the seat of his pants in the middle of the intersection with that little flimsy tin horn ring in his hands that those Volkswagens had back in the day. And I often think of that picture in my mind of Jerry sitting in the intersection with that flimsy horn ring. And how often it's true in life that people go through life trusting and hanging on to flimsy horn rings that provide no safety, no security, no help. And Solomon says, trust in the Lord. With all of your heart. By the way, I believe that what Solomon is saying that isn't super clear here, he's also saying that we're trusting the Lord with all of our heart, not knowing what's coming, right? We don't know what the future holds, we don't know what's ahead. And we're committed now to trust the Lord regardless of what's coming. Have you ever had anyone say to you, will you do me a favor? How do you respond when someone asks you that question? Depends on what it is. Tell me what it is. Why do we do that? Well, we're not sure we want to do whatever it is. Uh, It might be inconvenient. It might be uncomfortable. It might be painful. It might be expensive. Years ago, my friend Solomon, as he got into his 80s, began having some challenges with his, with his mental processes and thinking and began asking me for help with things in his life. And, and I told him one day, I said, Solomon, no matter what it is, no matter what time it is, you need help, you call me. 11 o'clock at night, I get a phone call. This is Solomon. And Solomon says to me, Brother Roy, he was a very dignified black gentleman, and I was always, Brother Roy, he said, I need to go to the hospital. I don't feel good. It's 11 o'clock. Do I want to get out of my warm, comfortable bed at 11 o'clock at night? And worse yet, do I want to go spend the rest of the night at Pomona Valley Hospital? But I'd already made that commitment ahead of time to Solomon. 
And so out of bed, into my car, picked up Solomon, took him to ER, and spent several hours at Pomona Valley Hospital, one of my least favorite places on the planet. But you know, we need to have that kind of an understanding with our trust and our faith and our confidence in our God. Going into the future, no matter what's out there, no matter what God puts in my path, He's already promised to make my path straight. And He simply asked me to trust Him with all my heart. And so direction depends on trusting. But my trust is hindered by what? What's the next line say? Do not lean on your own understanding. That's the challenge. Because as I think about this verse and I think about Solomon's wisdom, I think what Solomon is saying to us is that to the degree that I'm leaning on my own understanding, I'm not trusting the Lord. The more that I lean, the less that I trust. And so this word leaning, again, is one of those very picturesque words in, in, the, in the Hebrew language. And the noun form of the verb is translated walking stick. And so I brought my, actually this is my father-in-law's walking stick, but Andrea uses it now. Sometimes, sometimes, periodically, not very often. But the idea is that the, the symbolism is leaning on this walking stick, depending on it relying on it. And so, the principle is the more that I lean, the less I trust. And the problem is I'm inclined, maybe you are too, I'm inclined to face some of those opportunities and challenges that come into the course of my life as I move into that uncertain future. I tend to face those opportunities and challenges thinking what makes sense to me, what's logical to me. If you're like me, you even face some of the decision times in your life with a little T-chart, pros on one side, cons on the other side, and you're trying to make a decision. And God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean. Do not depend. Do not rely on your own understanding. Well, if you know your Bible and you know the book of Proverbs especially, you know that Solomon frequently talks about us acquiring understanding. In fact, if I were to open my Bible and look right across the page in chapter 2 of Proverbs, two or three times, he says, acquire understanding. The one who acquires wisdom and understanding is blessed by God. And so here's the challenge. He says, Use your understanding. God gave you a brain, right? But don't rely, don't depend on your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own experience, your own education. Don't depend on that. Don't rely on that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And that's a challenge for me. And I suspect that it is for some of you as well. Direction depends on trusting. But my trusting is hindered by my leaning. And the key to trusting God more and leaning less is found in that third phrase which says, In all your ways do what? 
acknowledge Him. Through most of my life, I've heard different explanations about what it means to acknowledge the Lord. But several years ago in my study, I discovered that there's a four-letter word found in the middle of the word acknowledge. What is that word? No. And so for me, I would translate this verse, In all your ways, be knowing Him. Because the secret, I believe, of trusting and not leaning is getting to know God better. The better you know the Lord, the more you will trust Him. You trust most those you know best. You trust most those you know best. And this, this Christian life that God has called you and me into is all about relationship with God. It's all about knowing in John 17:3, Jesus said, This is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. And so everything that we believe, everything that we embrace in the Scriptures, is all founded and rooted in the simple truth that the Creator God of the universe wants relationship with you and me. That, that simple thought ought to stagger us. That, that idea ought to overwhelm us. That the Creator of the universe wants to have relationship with you and with me. God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and said, Don't let the strong man boast in his strength. Don't let the rich man boast in his riches. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. What a powerful statement. God, God says to me and to you that what we ought to be most excited about, what we ought to be bragging about, boasting about, shouting from the rooftops, is that we understand and know the Lord. You trust most those you know best. The guys that have been meeting with me on Tuesday nights for the last, I don't know, year plus, they know every Tuesday night when we open our Scriptures and study them together, one of the questions before we pray and go home every Tuesday night one of the questions I ask and we discuss together is, what do we learn here about our God? Every single Tuesday night, this next Tuesday as well, by the way, we're going to come back to this passage and talk about this. What do we learn here about knowing God? What do we learn here about our God that should make a difference in our life today and in the week ahead? This passage says that this should be the focus of my life. This should be the priority of my life, to get to know God better. And by the way, how often should this be happening in my life and your life? In all your ways, be knowing Him. 
What does all your ways suggest to you? All means all, and that's all all means, right? But in every circumstance of life, in every event of life, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, one of the questions that I should be pondering is, what does God want me to learn about Him in this event, this circumstance, this event? And so whether it's what we would call a good experience, a positive experience, or whether it's a negative experience, a painful experience, God wants me to get to know Him better. That word know, by the way, is a word that speaks of intimacy. The Hebrew word translated here, know, is the same word, for example, that was used of Adam's relationship with Eve. When the Scripture records in the book of Genesis, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore a son. Intimate relationship. The Creator of the universe wants to have an intimate relationship with you and with me. And the better I know Him, the more I'll trust Him. One of my favorite illustrations of this is found in the book of Exodus in chapter 33. It is said of Moses in the Old Testament that God and Moses spoke together face to face as a man speaks with his friend. On a scale of ten, how intimate is that relationship? Better than a ten. Face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That was Moses and God. And you see the examples of Moses meeting with God in the tabernacle. And you see the example of Moses going to the tabernacle and and the children of Israel in their tents around, coming to the door and standing and watching. In Exodus 33, it's amazing to me that this man who spoke face to face with God said to the Lord, I want more. I want you to show me your glory. And the story says that God kind of tucked Moses into a cleft in the rock, if you will. And and God said He was going to allow His goodness to pass by. And the Scripture says that as God's goodness passed by, Moses saw, and, and the Hebrew tries to express this, God's hinder parts. I don't know what that means. But whatever it was, what strikes me is that God answered Moses' prayer. I want more. And I suspect if if you and I were to say to God, I want more, He does too. He wants greater intimacy. He wants us to know Him better and better with every passing day. Or I think of the example in the New Testament of Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha. And He's there and it's dinner time. And Martha's busy in the kitchen She's got the biscuits in the oven. She's got the meat on the fire. Dinner's being prepared. She's setting the table. And she's a little stressed and overwhelmed by all that she's doing. And she says to Jesus, Tell Mary, her sister, Tell Mary to come and help me. Because Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet in conversation with Him. And Martha wants Mary to come and help. And Jesus says some of the most profound words in the entire New Testament as He responds to Martha's request. And He says, Martha, Martha, you are so distracted and disturbed by so many things. But Mary has chosen the one necessary 
thing. And it won't be taken from her. Literally, it won't be stolen from her. What was the one necessary thing that was happening that Jesus didn't want to interrupt? Intimate conversation. Prayer. (laughs) Intimate conversation. And I would suggest to you that Jesus wants that same thing for, for you and for me. That intimate conversation with Him. Direction from the Lord depends on trusting Him. But that's hindered by my leaning. And the solution to that is to be found in the priority in my life of getting to know God better. And so I've kind of reduced it down to this mathematical formula. Direction equals trusting minus leaning times knowing Him. How does that happen in your life and my life? How do we get to know the Lord better? It all comes down to, like Mary, time spent with Jesus. Time spent with the Lord. Time one-on-one. Time together is what deepens relationships. When I was in high school, I had a best friend. Alan and I were best buddies. We did everything together. Uh, We double dated together. That was with girls. Um, We double dated together. We went to the beach together. I hung out at his house together. I called his mother mom. Uh, We were tight. Uh, We played football together. Uh, He was quarterback. I was an end. If you're an end and you want to catch passes, it's a good thing to have your best friend be the quarterback. Alan and I were tight. Well, I was a year older. I graduated from high school, went away to Grace College, 2,500 miles away, and that relationship was separated by time and distance. I came home at Christmas time, and Alan and I hung out and talked and got caught up, but I was gone again for the next semester back in Indiana. Came home at Easter time, was home for a week, and again, reconnected, talked, shared a week together, back to Indiana. That year, I finished school and came back to California. Alan graduated high school, and he went to college in Arkansas. Again, time and distance. After that year of college, Alan joined the Navy, and we kept in touch, sort of, kind of, but our relationship drifted. Our communication was infrequent. And so that relationship continued to to drift over time. Why? No time together, no communication. Well, at that same time in my life, there was a young lady that I was interested in in California in high school. And I was very interested in her. She had little interest in me, sadly. In English class one day, she slipped me a little note that said she'd always think of me as a big brother. Yes, I cried. I cried in English class. But she came to her senses in our junior year. And she informed my best friend, Alan, that it was time for her to date me finally. And so we had our first date in May of 1967 and dated that year and then graduated from high school. And I went off to Grace College in Indiana, the same 2,500 miles away. But she wrote me a letter. Every single day. 
I, res- I remember one day my mailbox was empty, no letter. The next day there were two letters. Something happened to the mail flow. She wrote me a letter every single day while I was away at Grace. Every Saturday night we had a phone call. And uh, I was allowed to call her collect from Indiana. And so we had a Saturday night phone date every Saturday night while I was in college in Indiana. That Christmas, when she opened her Christmas presents, one of the boxes she opened had the uh, paid-up phone bills from uh, that current year, a gift from her father. Well, I came home at Christmas, proposed, and we got engaged, and a year and a half later, we got married. What's the difference between my relationship with Alan and my relationship with Andrea? Communication, time together, talking, whether it's mail, whether it's phone calls. Intimacy in a relationship happens because we spend time together. And so, as I go into my future, as our church goes into its future, God wants to lead and direct and guide and to make our path straight. Is that clear? Yes. How can we have confidence as we go forward into this uncertain future? We can have confidence if we're trusting in the Lord, clinging to Him with all that we are. We can have confidence if we're learning to lean less and trust more. And we can have confidence to trust more because we're getting to know our God better. And so that's my my challenge to you this morning as we think about our future together. Are you a truster or a leaner? Do you tend to trust more or lean more? I'm still working on that balance in my life. Do you want God's direction in your life? Do you want Him to make your path straight? Then there's a formula here for us to embrace, to follow. Is there an area of my life where I tend to lean more and trust less? Sometimes we find it really easy to trust God for certain things, but there's other things we struggle with. And we're not as willing to, to turn that over to Him. We, we want to be in control. I know I do. I like being in control. And so my encouragement to you this morning, my challenge to you this morning is to commit yourself afresh in the year ahead. Corporately as a church, individually, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, be knowing Him. And He will make your paths straight. You know, I might suggest as I think about this, getting to know God is the most important thing in your life and my life. Getting to know the Lord better, becoming more intimate with Him is the most important thing in your life and in my life. George Harrison, member of the Beatles back in the 1960s, was kind of the religious guy of the group. And he was known to travel and consult with religious leaders around the world. And one of the things that George Harrison wrote, along with all the beautiful music that he wrote, One of the most important things that he wrote were these words. Everything else in life can wait. 
except the search for God. That cannot wait. And I think of that in the life of someone who's not yet come to know Jesus as Savior. That search is the most important thing in life. Because the Scriptures tell us that apart from Christ, we are separated from God. There's a, there's a break in relationship. The relationship has never happened. We're strangers from God. We're alienated from God. The Scriptures even tell us we're hostile to God. Enemies. And that's the whole reason why Jesus came and died on the cross. To reconcile us to our Creator. To reconcile us to our Heavenly Father. To bring us into relationship. And that's why the Scriptures call us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. To know Him, to follow Him, to trust Him. And that's why the Scriptures call us to look at Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as the sacrifice that paid for the sin that separates us from a holy God. That's where it all begins. Relationship with our Creator through Jesus and His death on the cross. But for those of us who already know Jesus, we have the joy, we have the privilege, we have the opportunity to get to know the Lord better every day. In all the circumstances of life, to get to know Him better. I put in your notes what I call the PRT translation, Pastor Roy's translation of this verse, and it says this, Cling tightly to the Lord Yahweh with the entirety of your inner being and do not rely or depend on your own wisdom, education, and insight. In every aspect of your daily life, make it your priority to get to know the Lord Yahweh better and more intimately. And He will make your path forward level, even, straight, and prosperous. And so, Lord... You promised to lead us. You promised to guide us. You promised to direct us. You promised to go with us personally. Your presence to go with us. And so, Lord, teach us to trust You more. To lean on ourselves less. And I pray this morning for my brothers and sisters gathered here. Those who perhaps are watching and listening online that You would cause us in this, this moment to commit, to recommit, to get to know You better. To spending time each day quietly in Your presence. Time reading Your Word. Time in prayer. Might we be just a little bit more like Moses who basically told God, I want more. And might we be a lot more like Mary content to sit at at Jesus' feet, to communicate, to share, to talk. Lord, speak into our, our lives in this moment, that we might be men and women a little more passionate about getting to know you better. Help us to do that is our prayer together in Jesus' name. Amen.